What's up, everybody? Today, I talk with Steven Monty from Artpresso Design. Artpresso makes interesting barista tools that solve annoying barista problems. He helped me build and create my dialed tamper, this project that we worked on together. It's basically my dream tamper that we brought to life. He's done collaborations with Jimmy Butler and Big Face Coffee doing espresso machine customizations. And as we'll talk about today, there's a lot more in the works for Artpresso. Steven is... He's got such interesting insight because even though he's in the coffee industry now, he's a designer by trade and he spent decades in the shoe industry. He worked for the world's largest shoe company. You fill in the blanks on that one. That's all we can say. And I love talking with him because he's so thoughtful. The products that he creates aren't just simply widgets. They're incredibly inspired. They're incredibly thoughtful and they're built from a designer's perspective, not generic incredibly focused incredibly specific and they're just awesome i love the stuff that we've been working on together i'm just gonna quit blabbing and here is steven monty from artpresso design dude we're back i know it's been a while back in the mix so whenever you're here i always want to ask you about transition from the corporate world into the world you're in now and it's been how long since you started artpresso so 2016 we began, and um, and it was a side hustle. Uh, I guess I can say this now. I'm no longer under a gag order, so to speak. But I worked for the largest footwear brand. That's as far as I can go. That's as far as you can go. <laughs> I worked for the largest footwear brand. So uh, so it was it was a great journey. Um, I learned a ton. It allowed me to create great friends around the world and people who really focused on on creating great products that address consumers' needs um, that eventually started to address their desires and wants as well. Um, And yeah, I I try to take all that good stuff that I learned and apply it to what we do at at Presso and just be really purposeful and mindful in in the things we create. What is it like for you when you're, because you're a designer. Yep. So... Can you ever turn that off? Or are you just looking at everything through the lens of how does this work? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Like, Yeah, it's, um, people call it a talent. I look at it as a curse because you can't, you can't really turn it off, right? So if you're a designer, um, you're focusing on solving problems, right? And I, I'm fortunate because my wife is an artist, right? So I, the way I describe this to people is she, she gets inspired. She creates a painting. It's a personal expression of her. It then goes into a gallery to which one person also makes a connection with it emotionally, and they purchase that one item. When you're a designer, you're essentially solving problems that people have, and what you're doing is you're mass producing it. You're not producing one, you're producing many to sort of help people get through a certain situation. In this case, it's make great, great espresso, right? Um, but that's always been the delineation, right? It's, it's, it's something you can't turn off. So I walk around always seeing problems, right? Like I'm looking at a pipe that's stripping right now and I'm thinking of five ways in which we could solve that. But that's another story. Right. <laughs> so. it's, it's interesting because I've been listening to a bunch of marketing stuff lately. So with what we're doing, we talked about it a little bit, but yep. kind of going forward, I'm kind of getting back to doing some of the stuff that I used to do, which yep. is really focusing heavily on the marketing and the storytelling of the stuff. So there's a few people that I look at all the time, and yep. then I've just been trying to dig in a little bit more. But a lot of what I'm listening to and resonating with is coming from the same direction to where it's like everyone who's worth anything in marketing doesn't see it as creating a thing it's like okay cool like you're really putting your your guest or your customer at the center of your world and it's like everything is seen through their eyes what are they experiencing in the same way that you're kind of putting a problem and potentially a solution at the center of your world it's not just like making stuff to make stuff for funsies it's like cool we're making things to make the world better for this person or the workflow better for this person or like the user experience better for this person. And I, it's been kind of cool to look at everything like that because I know for us is like, as we keep going and getting bigger, 
it's tempting to look at everything through straight numbers and not see it as like a user experience situation right. to where it's like, oh, cool. Like we would like to insert all the cool business things, make more money. We yep. would like to um, get more people in the door or have more wholesale clients or whatever. But once you look at things like that, you cease to do what you're really there to do, which is connect people, make things better, which is actually the path to that other thing. Like one's a Correct. symptom and one's, you know, one's like a root cause. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and you know, the way I always looked at that in my mind is, is that especially with Oppresso, right? We'll get comments where people are like, you know, this product's amazing. It's great. And then we'll have the opposite, obviously. And it, and essentially, and when I see that, I'm just like, yeah, it's not for you. Right. right. We're not solving your problem. And this idea of being everything to everybody essentially makes you nothing to everyone. Right. So the idea of focusing on a certain group or focusing on what, whether it's your own internal values of cat and cloud saying, this is what we want to be when we grow up. Got a little bit of leaf. We're, we're, we're listening to a leaf blower who's getting dangerously <laughs> close right now. He's solving a problem. He's clearing leaves. We'll see. He might be out of here in a couple minutes. So, but um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, right? Um, you have to you have to service customers through the lens of what of Cat and Cloud or Oppresso, right? And so this idea of consumer centric design is really important as long as it's it's done through the the set of your values right yeah you know because if you lose that then you're you know you're everything to everybody and that's not a place you want to be i was looking at this uh graph which was talking about you know what you're talking about to where um back in the day yep. what big companies were really good at was kind of marketing to the middle of the curve so you've got these if you're looking at a like a big bell curve, you yeah. know, small on one side, small on the other side, big bell in the middle. And you've got on either end, these little fringe, you know, you could call them freaks and geeks or like really interesting, yeah. quirky people. And then you've got the general American human being. Yep. Um, and how even just that has kind of changed over time in terms of the way people maneuver through their world the way we're ingesting media the way we're finding other people that are like us we don't have that same huge chunk of shared culture that we had like even in the 60s 70s 80s it just yep. it just doesn't exist anymore almost everything is more specialized like Definitely. juxtapose that big bell curve graph to a graph that's like a little bit flatter or sure there's still some like shared pop culture references but it's it's not what it used to be and the only way you can be something remarkable or memorable is by finding those people who are looking for what you're what you have on offer and being like yeah this is for you like this is for you correct. which means it's explicitly not for you correct and not for you and that's that's and the, kind of the, the way. only thing i would so yes 100 percent to all that the only thing i would add to that is what we've learned as well in my corporate life as well as in, in what I'm doing now is essentially not only what you said, but also a single person is many things in one day. Dude, right? yes. Right. So, oh my God. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, so yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Right. So this idea of that we can be multiple things across a day is really another subset of that. Okay. Right? So, so I'm fringe. Then also during a day, I may show up to work in one persona then and go out with my friends at night in another persona. And I'm talking head to toe. It changes what I wear, how I act, how yeah. I speak. How, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so this idea of consumer mindsets. So when you turn around and you say, and I mentioned it briefly, this idea of not only fulfilling their needs, but also their, their wants or desires, that's really two things, right? One of them is the tangible, I need this thing to work. The second thing is is more of that emotional mindset one that you're addressing. That's right? in, okay. So how like from oh man. It's so trippy. So I was yep. I was listening to a talk and someone was explaining that same thing again from and I don't think it's really different. Everything's from a, a marketing perspective where it's like Okay, how do I ask this question? So when you know this, when yep. you know that there are six different versions of yourself or there's right. six different versions of me in a day there's 
there's the me that wakes up and I'm a dad and I'm a family man and I'm doing yep. a certain set of things and I'm engaging a certain way at home. And then I come to work and, you know, I have a, a different set of behaviors, even a different energy and a different focus. It's like, yep. how do you like, how do you interact with that? You know, what are you doing with that from a designer's point of view when you're when you're thinking about, oh, product or connection or service or whatever you know it's about just authenticity in a certain area so if we use you as an example right i can speak to you in three different languages i can speak to you in dad mode business owner mode or skater mode right right and so what ends up happening and this goes back to what i said before i can't be everything to you right so essentially if i speak in one of those languages i'll interface with you when you're at your most authentic self mm -hmm. right so you may discover my brand when you when you're skating or you may discover my brand when you're trying to solve a dad problem right but this idea of authenticity and people throw that around a lot um that's one of the one of the benefits of being authentic, right? It's realizing that you may only be speaking to one consumer segment or one niche, but then to your point, I may only be speaking to you only for one hour during your entire day based on your mindset that day. Right. Right. I like, may only be like, you know, Chris Baca dad, wake up in the morning and then you interface with our product. Right. So it's like one specific part of one specific person for one. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's so how do you feel you ha do these kind of exercises? Because one of the things that I rack my brain with is trying to figure out in terms of cat and cloud. Yep. Who is our ideal customer or guest? Like, how does that work? And in it's it's almost easier to do in the in real life in terms of, OK, at a cafe. Uh, some of it's driven off proximity. Some of it's driven off the energy. But I'm kind of thinking, okay, someone who cares about coffee, that might not be their first and foremost, though, yep. but they want a place to go where they feel seen and it's generally friendly and predictable. But, like, I don't know what that means in terms of the broader audience when I'm when I'm thinking about um, – someone who's making a purchase on the web or someone who's entering into our world through our partner, like our wholesale partner program. So it's like, how do you, how do you see that with Art Presso? Like who's looking to use your tools? Like, yeah, I think it, it's similar for both. Right. So if I, I start with Art Presso, I think we're solving problems and some people purchase our products because we're solving that need. Right. right. I got an issue. This makes sense to me. And we're solving that. Another another mindset or purchase mindset would be through the brand lens, right? Hey, I've heard about this brand. They build quality stuff, so therefore I want to engage with them, right? And some of it's just the, the power and the equity in which we have in a brand, which you could say is the same here, right? There's some people that are coming to Cat and Cloud to serve a functional need. I need caffeine. Right. There's other people who stay in your space a hell of a lot longer than it takes to drink an, an espresso, and you're 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 supplying other things to them, whether it's association and proximity to other people like them, whether it's the vibe of the space that makes them feel inspired, creative. Um, so I think it for us, I think right now where we're engaging, because mostly our sales are through web, is through solving problems and brand awareness. For you, you have an experiential space. And you're actually providing more layers to your consumers to kind of come in and your customers, right? You're giving them a lot, a lot more um, ways to engage and experience Cat and Cloud versus just your e-com business. And right. I think if you, I think your e-com traffic is a total different, a total different thing, right? I think yeah. you may be, you may be, you know, pulling that from somebody who visited one of your cafes and now lives on the East Coast such as myself, who will be packing a suitcase full of beans. Um, you know, you may be doing, you may be doing it that way or, or, uh, or it, from the actual like cafe location. Right? right. So, yeah, I think you, you know, you're doing more. I knew, know this, you're doing more than serving, ser serving espresso. Totally. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, dude, we want to hang out with people who are like us or who we think we're like. Yeah, I one of the things that interests me because in terms of thinking of, of things from a 
telling stories point of view or kind of creating media. So for me, selfishly, I always want to see what's behind the curtain. And yep. I'll watch behind the curtain for almost anything. Like even stuff that I'm not really into. It doesn't matter if it's automotive stuff or someone's doing a whiskey distillery or building a weird business of X. It's just like I want to see how the shit's made. For sure. I could watch that stuff for hours. Yep. So if I was taking a broad view of, okay, what do I want to create? Like my gut for me, it tells me it's like, okay, we have a business that's built off of, you know, a set of like values, a certain mission and a set of processes. So yep. there's like, there's the first two are kind of like our belief system. Like this is how we operate in the world and, and this is how we move through space and time. And then the other portion of it is like, this is, this is how the, you know, the stuff, this is how the sausage is made kind yep. of thing. Yep. And some combination of those two is really interesting. But then when you take what you said earlier which is like different people are engaging in different ways like even at different points in their lives yep. i'm kind of torn and it's like is that just like a broad general thing like all these things are interesting versus how many of our people who are looking at what we're doing are just full-blown coffee geek wizards and want to know like these intricate you know they're into pressure profiling right. or super dialed in brew ratios maybe they watch the world aeropress championship and they have like a you know something on, on their phone the folder of recipes and yep. weird stuff with water temperature versus people who are just really into the cultural thing and like addressing that mix of of people because i think we have something to offer in all those things but i it's hard to know like what to lean into more or how to even parse that out yeah i mean i think so some of it and what i've learned both with our presso and on the corporate side is, is sort of, you go out with an intention and then there's this ripple effect, right? And so some of the things that you were speaking about, some of them you can affect and some of the, are the results of what you do. And in, and I guess a quicker way to say it is you have no control over a portion of it. Right. Right. So you can curate a cafe but you can't curate the behaviors and the people who show up at that cafe, right? And so the idea that, that what you're putting out, it's getting picked up and then it's getting modified to your customer base and they're putting a lens on what Cat and Cloud means to them. Right. Um, it's kind of a cool thing, right? Um, and, but then it's also, it's also one of those things where where you can only focus on what you can focus on and then both the positive things that come from that ripple effect um, a little bit out of your control. And we, like in certain brand things, what we would say is, um, I worked at a company, um, yeah, this one I can say, okay, so Reebok back in the day um, was, was first of all cooler than it is today. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all was focused on, on women's. Right. Okay. And so, um, and I was at the brand, um, in, in the mid to, to late nineties where right. they were, you this know, is not just to be clear, this is not the company that you made mention of earlier. Correct. Yeah. This is right. not the same just company for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> and so essentially they were going through this struggle of like, Hey, uh, Nike is, you know, we passed Nike and now. Um, and now Nike is passing us from an overall revenue standpoint, and we have to change who we are. And yes, we started with aerobics, and women uh, women is our core customer, but we're going to change our brand, change who we are, change our values. And you can you can like I said, you can Google this. Uh, Reebok was into drag racing, and they had they I think it was also I think it was uh, NASCAR as well, but but they really tried to work really hard to move away from that consumer base that that adopted them and that's the point i'm trying to make right it's like you've been adopted by consumers to which they vote with their dollars to say hey it's worth coming to cat and cloud and as much as you think you can pivot and sort of take your consumer somewhere different you can't right you really can't do that because you're you have to constantly speak to the people who have adopted you. Right. And during my time in the 90s um, with that brand, essentially, there was a lot of effort put into that space, um, which I won't go too deep. It just, it just, I guess the quickest way to say it, it didn't work the way people hoped it would work. Right. 
right? And then they became a CrossFit brand, and they're still like, once you start down that spiral of identity crisis, um, you, uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta recognize who you are and this and the space you fill within the world you live in. Yeah, does that make sense? It totally a, makes okay. sense. Yeah, it it's really you said it perfectly too, because essentially what you're saying is cool. So you're putting things into the world and then people are basically making a choice right. or you're, you're making something that's resonating with someone correct. and a certain group of people are that it's resonating with. It's like, you don't get to pick who those people are. That's correct. Or it's like, you've got this group of, you know, uh, like you said, women, whether they're into training or aerobics or whatever it is, they're like, Reebok, this is my shit right here. Right. Like this right. is awesome. Like I love this, and then that's that. That's like some good. What do you call it? I don't know. It's almost like this organic cultural growth that happens yep. where people just latch onto this thing, and you could see, you know, people could latch onto a million different things that they're into. So by trying to, because really, if, like hindsight, it's like, oh man, what would I do now if I was in that position? I would say, okay, let's just fucking double down on this thing. Yep. Right. It's like, there's this whole group of people and maybe instead of going around the world and being like, Oh cool. We're going to do this NASCAR and do this drag racing. It's like, maybe we're actually Lululemon before Lululemon even exists. Like, let's look at the market we're serving. It's like, okay, it doesn't have to stop at shoes. It could be all of this stuff and like super specific and like, this, this mentality of blossom where you stand is something that people forget, right? It's like you're always looking forward instead of looking down. Like build from where you stand versus build where you think you may want to go, right? right? So, and when I'm thinking about what we're doing, and, and I'm asking the question that I asked before, which is like, what do people want to see? The only way to find out is to throw stuff out there. Exactly. And then you're kind of seeing, okay, like this is really resonating this is not yep and taking my ego out of it and say like well it doesn't really matter if this is really what i want to do here's what i'm actually doing that's serving a need that people are engaging with it's you know making the world better in a meaningful way like yep. let's just go this way exactly let's just keep going that way i think and that attitude is the thing that separates a professional from just someone who's just you know a hobbyist where it's right. like cool I'm not here for me. Like, if you have a hobby, it can be whatever you want it to be. You don't need to make any money off of it. Correct. If nobody else loves it, that's okay. Yep. But if you're a professional, you know, you're starting with that mindset of service and you're you're filling a need, essentially. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And I think it's important. I think what you just said is really critical, right? So if you think of growth and you think of change, the idea of putting stuff out there in, in this idea of, once again, a, sort of a saying that, that I've learned from where I was from was this idea of fail fast, fail forward, right? This idea of putting things out there that sort of define the edges of what cat and cloud can be. And you've done that, right? You've done everything, with, everything from footwear collabs with DC uh, to products with us to, right? And, and so when those things sold sold in or sold through that that is essentially telling you your playing field with your current consumer base right and so you can keep doing that you can keep defining the edges further and further and further so that you can get an understanding of what your field of play could be for the for the consumers and the cafe um sort of uh, regulars that come in like like what what else do they want from you? And right. you can you can ask them, and, or you can also do it through sort of experimentation, like you said. Right. Like that's kind of cool, right? When you right. think about it, like nobody would have ever thought certain companies um, would be doing what they do, right? It's in there's you know Apple's an overused example, but right, a computer company, we trust them to purchase a phone from them, we buy a watch from them, we buy, right, and now right. there's a car that they're looking at, and if they come out with a car. I'm sure people will be like, yes, I'm, I'm in. Right. Right. And so this idea of, of, of stretching, stretching your, your offering to your consumers, if you're a trusted brand, you can go pretty far. Right. Right. So what do you think makes, well, okay. Cause, cause if you looked at the reverse of that example and you're like, oh, I would buy that from Apple. 
whatever it is. Right. Uh, I probably wouldn't buy a phone that was made by. Well, I mean, oh, geez. What, what example am I looking for, really? It's it's phone made by Cat and Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or even other brands that are in that kind of kind of tech space that right. you you know they do one thing really well, but you're like, cool, this is where it stops. Like, right. I'm not buying a Dell phone like exactly. when Dell was hot. Exactly. And, like they were, you know, in that computer space, and it's just like, yeah, you're correct. You're clearly a computer brand. That's right. what you make, or you're a software brand. That's what you make, or you're this brand or that brand, and like, because they've done. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I've read so much stuff about this, but like, they're kind of reimagining what things could be. So they're less of a brand that's focused on any one product, and they're more of like the do it better brand. So where it's right. like if they sink their teeth into something. Whatever they come out with, you can put your bet on. It's going to work pretty well. They're going to do it better. Yep. Like, what are some like what are some smaller brands that you've seen that have gone like really well or really terrible by leaning into or away from these things? Um, let me see. From from leaning into, um. Leaning into doing things better. Or not even just better. It's like, um, I would say like, well, I think, oh, shit. oh no, no worries. I think like Kith, right? Okay. When you think of what the journey of Kith, um, from, from a reseller of products, right? A curated line of products to now based on their collaborations, based on what they do, they've become a, they've become a brand. Right, mm. they've evolved to a different space. Um, they're now trusted um, in a certain area for a certain consumer group. You know that that sort of transformation of maybe where they began and where they are today is pretty dramatic, right? Um, and so, to me, they stand out as somebody who's who's tested the edges um, from from a, a retailer to now. I mean, they make product, right? They make product in collaboration, as well as um, as well as curate other products and have influence over what they sell within the store from an ex- experiential standpoint, right? As well as uh, a collab standpoint. So for me, I think that's that's working really well as far yeah. as sort of evolution goes. Um, yeah. I How heavy? S- sorry, I'm switching. Yeah, yeah, I'm switching so many gears. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. You've had the experience, so I'm so curious, like. How do you see the collab space working with, you know, companies like yours or even in coffee? I, I think a companies obviously, you know, you're from the shoe world, collabs are huge there yep. or other companies that I look at where it's like G-Shock. Yep. Every day there's like a new collab, yep. just every day. It's just like a nonstop cycle of things going on. Like what are your thoughts on that, you know, culturally? Yeah, I got or- quite a few uh, <laughs> thoughts on that one, but uh in general, um you know this sounds fundamentally foolish but it has to make sense right so there's brands who are not doing well who try to collaborate with somebody in a who's speaking to a different consumer or, or in a cooler space yeah and and that doesn't work that's and, like the hail mary collab it's like we we <laughs> so kind of suck but maybe if i hang out with my cool friends the girls exactly, will like me or something exactly, exactly exactly and then you have the opposite of that where you have somebody who you really you know and this was a lot in in my prior role right there was a lot of internal discussions of like yeah these are these are huge brands but but this collaboration, what is the, the true benefit? Like, does the consumer want to see these two brands come together? Is there, is there um, mutual benefit to come together? Is one, is one diminishing or is it sort of equity building? And I think it becomes really, really interesting. I think, um, like, to me, collaboration should be an invitation in a connection first and foremost, right? And I'm not saying you know, the Dial Tampa collaboration will go down in history like some of the other ones. Um, but essentially, to me, that that's easy, right? It's easy for people to see the authenticity in that. Um, you had a problem to which we came together to solve it. We realized something together, right? right? To me, however big or small that is or whatever it means to people outside of us, 
um, it, it, it does in my mind symbolize something that wasn't business transactional, but was really authentic in the whole re reason of collaboration. Right. And I think when brands do that, big brands do that, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, because they can, they can be detrimental as well. Right. There's collabs that go sideways, you know, do you think like how much steam do you think is in there? So for example, the, the one that just pops at the front of my mind again is the G-Shock one because I yep. love like all my watches are G-Shock. Yep. I generally like enjoy what they do with the brands. It's like, I like the product. I like the way it looks. I like the feel. I like the association of it. You know, it's yep. like everything, but the collabs for me seem to be the weakest part of their brand because exactly. they come out so often and the way they're structured, like when I look at them from an artistic point of view, most of them feel like afterthoughts. Yeah. It honestly feels like somebody emailed me an illustrator packet of logos and I just slapped it on one of the lower models of watches and exactly. made like five Instagram posts. And I hate that. Yep. You got I it. like expect way more. I'm like, dude, you guys could be doing way cooler shit. Like, exactly. Way cooler shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think. 100% on that one, right? I think they're, and I don't know what they're collaborating with because my G-Shock love isn't as deep as yours. But but from a standpoint of what you're describing to me, that's that's probably not the best move for them. And right? is it maybe, it's maybe like a, they have so much juice as a brand that whatever they want to dabble in, like it's not hurting them. It does you, though. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like you're a die hot. I mean, I cut you, you bleed G-Shock, right? And you're not happy. Well, the thing right? is, so. yeah, no, it's a bummer. Like, <laughs> so, well, because so. here's where I'm at. It's like, I've seen some, a few brands that I'm like, oh, I, like if they did a collab, I would buy it. Exactly. But then I see it and I'm just like, I don't want it. Yeah. Like the way they did it was just so corny to where I'm just like, dude, I would spend three times the money yes. if you guys took your time and like thought about what this could be rather than just slapping logos on something. Yeah. Like I get bummed. So it's like, I don't know how long that takes downstream to actually affect the business. Like they're obviously selling tons of watches. Like, yep. I, I guess, like, I don't know, you know, you never know what's going on behind the yeah. scenes, but I'm like, I'm assuming they're doing fine, but I'm just like, you could be doing a lot more or maybe I'm the weirdo. Maybe I want something that's, you know, overblown and, people are happy with these corny little things, but I kind of think not, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think what you're describing in my mind is, is not, not being discerning or authentic within the collaboration space. And then, you know, maybe, maybe within that too, they're speaking to a, di a different G-Shock consumer than you, right? So, maybe, yeah. So you may be the OG 90s G-Shock guy who kind of came up with G-Shock. Yeah. And they may be thinking, I got to speak to the next gen to get them involved. And this, these collabs make sense to them, right? So what it feels like to me is like an easy button. Where oh, it, for sure. It's like, right? Sure. It's like, for if sure. we push this easy button, we'll move X amount of units at X rate with this input. And it's just cool. Here's the cash button. And I just hate it. I don't know. Like, uh, well, a lot of collabs have to do with just, just driving web e-com traffic. Yeah. Right. So to your point, if they're mm, dropping so many, um, they're just trying to give people a reason to go to their website. So it's eyes on whether you that's the it. social feed or the website. It. It's like, I know there's going to be something new there. So I'll just see what it is. It's yeah. that whole, you know, in a, in a world where everything is accessible and there's a constant narrative and there's constant distraction and noise, how do we, how do we create a space? How do we drive traffic? It's that, I mean, collabs are used for that, right? Yeah. If I'm not, it gives me a new narrative, a new story to, to have you come visit me on my website as social. Um, you know, not the best way to use it, but, but from a standpoint of other business value, yeah, collaborations are used beyond just making a cool product. Um, they, they're used to just get better, better KPIs on an e-com site too. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know. Interesting. Just because you hate it, that didn't, doesn't mean you didn't go there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they got you to go there. Oh. It's funny. I, I've, my behavior in the last couple of years has been changing a little bit on, yep. um, on social and just digital in general, where I feel like I'm personally getting over the whole internet overload thing where yep. maybe... Maybe it's because I part of it's I have a kid now, so I'm just like a little more distracted by real life. But yep. I, 
I'm spending probably the same amount of time online, but I'm going deeper rather than broad strokes where it's like yeah. I don't scroll as much as I used to. I still do things like watch YouTube, but I'm more prone to go deep in one channel rather than like clicking around. It's like yep. I don't I don't do as much exploring. I'm wondering if anybody else is feeling that some kind of it's just like fatigue of just yeah. everyone's over scrolled and I just want to see you know, I want to see more rich storytelling. Yep. I want to see more quirky, weird stuff. Like, yeah. like whenever you make something, I want to see what's what's going on in your brain that gets it there. Yeah, you know, that's more interesting to me than if you were gonna, you're like, oh, I'm gonna collab with so and so, and we'll just slap a couple things yeah, together and like call it a day. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know. I, I'm Shit, with you. I keep moving with your you. microphone. That's okay. I'm like right. really blowing it over. Um, here. But yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would agree in that the. I guess what I would say is surface engagement or surface content versus versus something more meaningful. Um, that's that is definitely sort of a trend. Yeah. Right. This idea of of um, of just just instead of having many, having a few and be deeper and more authentic with whether it's a collaboration partner, whether it's a narrative and story, whether it's you know any any area right like once again just to kind of speak to to what we do right so there's a yes we make product but then we also give a bunch of product away um and it's not just to have people try it it's to support other areas and and to to do more than just just sell goods right this idea of being part of a community and helping the community at all levels of engagement um, I think the same is true with with sort of the content we absorb, right? No, right. do we do we talk about it? No, should we? No, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like it becomes a little bit of self praise to which I wouldn't want to do. But the idea of whether it's whether it's doing deeper content within social or or deeper relationships within business. Um, I think that's going to matter going forward in a big way. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, this, that's, that's just my take, right? I'm going to get, in my mind, I'm going to get a lot further in life with, with, you know, a handful of meaningful relationships than I will, you know, being everything to everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like since Art Presso, okay, you, you know, 2016, you started as, this side hustle thing, yep. stepping out of the corporate world. Do you feel like you're at home in coffee? How's that whole community feeling for yeah, you? Yeah, so that's been pretty cool. Like, um, I find myself trying to give me a reason for change. So this past year, I was like, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to go to World of Coffee in Athens. I'm going to go to Host in Milan. I'm, you know, I'm going to hit as many trade shows as I can. And I want to prove to myself that we're, you know, we're either going to make it or not going to make it, right? And and so me and my wife, would, who's my business partner, we would constantly say, this is the year we're going to know. This is the year. This is the year we're going to figure it out. This is the year. And so this was one of those years, which we've been saying that since 2016, but um, kind of went out there just being like, okay, I'm bringing a bunch of cleaning tools. I want to engage with this global mind mindset and audience and it just blew me away that how many people knew us and what they knew us for um and i i was just really surprised right because because i didn't realize our reach um and you don't realize you know every day you're you're doing social and yeah you know it's it's touching the corners of the world but you don't realize how far right, right? so the fact that it's you know from Bucharest to Dubai to like, I'm just like, wow. Like it just, it just let us realize that the work we did actually um, touched a lot of people. We were solving a lot of problems. And so, so from that standpoint, um, yeah, we, we kind of looked at that as, as, um, as sort of a pivotal moment for change uh, coming back from those trips. I don't know if I answered your question. I think I went on a side, a, a tangent. But no, that's good. I, am I good? <laughs> yeah, you're good. How was, how was host? Like, 
Did you, yeah, I'm sure you brought product with you. Yeah. Like what's the, what's the vibe there with the stuff that you're making? So, um, so it was, it was, obviously it's giant and it's all industries that are in, that are in hospitality. Um, but there's three halls dedicated to, to coffee. Um, to me being the first time I went there, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, from an understanding of what was out there and also culturally what's different, right? So obviously, and, and you know this, but it's one thing knowing it versus seeing it, right? How specialty coffee is translated globally, right? Where in the U.S., it, it, there's a very distinctive group of people doing a very distinctive thing to bring out the most in specialty coffee, right? Where in more traditional or classic countries or in Europe in general, there's different levels of that to where you see cafes kind of pioneering what you see in the U.S., right? And so for me, that was eye-opening because essentially what it does is it tells us that there's problems we may be solving that may not resonate at a global level because of cultural reasons, right? And there was one classic thing where, where we were at a a, a, a traditional t Italian roaster and um, the younger barista loved our cleaning products and we saw her one day and then she we saw her the next day and essentially she said I love them everybody loves them but the the sort of um, older people within the organization say why would I give our customers cleaning products then I can no longer service their machines right, right. So, so, so you're just like okay all right never thought of it through that lens right but I think it's it was an eye opener for me that just because you solve a problem, that doesn't mean culturally or, or from an infrastructure standpoint that everybody wants that problem solved. And I think from a, from a standpoint of, of what Host did for us was kind of underscore that point. Um, and then it also helped us say, well, maybe what we're solving is more consumer-based home barista stuff, where in the U.S. it may be cafes as well as consumer in other areas we may be speaking to just the home barista yeah right and so the the learning of that uh, what we say and how it gets translated may not be the same globally which would allow us to pivot and do things in a little bit of a different way we were i went to host many years ago and we were working at the electric booth okay Super fancy, like everything's oh, just so done to the nines. Like time. it's probably still like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, big people time. People are spending so much money yeah. and cra waterfalls and shit. Yeah. And we were we were making espresso, and two really interesting things happened. So I was working at Ritual at the time, and it was me and Eileen, who's the owner. We okay. went and we brought our coffee, and we were making our coffee, and within. 10 minutes yeah the dude who was running the booth came back and said you guys can't serve that coffee anymore and we're like what they're like the italians hate it this yeah, is yeah. disgusting <laughs> like nobody likes your coffee and we're like fair enough cool like, you know we, we'll, we'll pull that out so that that was phase one and then the second phase was they had these grinders that had tampers built into them yeah old school style so you would grind into this thing and then you'd physically push a tamper that's you know attached to the yeah, yeah. grinder on down and we had brought our own tampers with us so we were grinding with the grinder and then tamping by hand like normal and the guy who was this dude no shit must have been like 80 something yeah. and he was either the guy or the son of the guy who started the company <laughs> was livid he <laughs> didn't speak any english he's just like full-blown deep italian and eileen was making coffee and he just starts yelling at her like and i was like whoa i don't know what's happening right now and we didn't know what he was saying and then he grabbed her hand as Damn. she was making coffee yeah. and like put the tamper down and just like shoved the portafilter in and he's like showing her how to tamper with the grinder coffee spilling everywhere this is like That's a complete amazing. nightmare but i was like oh just shit's really different over yeah, here this time. is not what's going on in the yeah. u.s and i kind of loved it and yeah. i haven't been for so many years but I, what i kind of hope doesn't happen is because that was really pre-social media takeoff or anything it yep. would suck if some of those old school things completely went away like yeah. it would be lame to me if you couldn't go to northern italy and like go to milan and get that old school classic 
Italian espresso experience. I I, yep. I hope that lives in some way, shape, or form. And it sounds yeah. like there's a little bit of it still there. Oh, so, for sure, yeah. for sure. And you do see some of the things popping popping up. Like we go to this place always in Florence called Cafe Gilly, which is like you know, baristas wearing vests and chandeliers, and it's really it's really cool. And everything's like you know a you know a one and a half euro, and it has to stay that way by law, right? Yeah. And all that stuff. So. Yeah, same here. I would hope that never goes away. I, what I did see is as some of the American sort of specialty coffee influence sort of creeping in in areas, which is fun too. So it, hopefully it's, it's something that's additive um, and just in, it, in addition to versus a substitution of. Right. Right, because I think both can coexist. Totally. Because it's, it's so cool. But yeah, that's, that's the vibe I got. Yeah. That, like, like, what are you doing? The 80-year-old guy rolling in, being like. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I was just blown away. I was like, yeah. wow, okay, cool. And they're not shy about it either. No, no. Like, no. so upfront. I, I really appreciate that. Like, yeah, they don't like your coffee. You can't serve this crap. Fair enough, dude. We're working for you. I, dude, I can't believe they shut you down on the beans, too. Oh, That's, like, amazing. Yeah, they were, they were giving us. Dude, I mean, it was pretty... I like it. I, I love that they were just like, we know exactly what we want. Yep. They gave us enough leeway to kind of play with it, but like the people didn't love it. So they're like, hey, this is our big booth for the year. It's like, right? you can't be serving shit that people don't like here. That's so amazing. I'm just like, great. That's cool. You know, we'll That's do whatever. We'll do whatever you want. I, you know, we're on your turf right now. So I could imagine you bringing this, you know, newfangled cleaning product. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah. dude, we've been, because the vibe I took away from what like culturally overall was, hey, we invented this shit. Right. We've been doing it for years. You guys are taking something that's like already dialed in and making it into something that it doesn't even need to be. Yeah. You're doing all this extra work for nothing. Exactly. Like just leave exactly. it alone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's definitely the the mentality. Why why are you complexifying stuff? Yeah. That's worked for hundreds of years. Yeah. It's like we're good here, bro. It's, and on on some things, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, yeah. I'm with you, dude. Like. Yeah. Make no, me that's... a charcuterie board. That's what I want, dude. I want it old school style. Like, but yeah, no, man, that's, that's so true. fun. Like, I th it was it was fun for us. I think it it it's definitely, you know, um, sort of going back in time, big booths, right, and and a lot of testosterone around metal machines. Yeah, right? it's a lot of that that vibe, but. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff. There was a lot of innovation in certain areas um, with certain brands. Um, so it was great for us to kind of to kind of see it uh, for the first time and sort of have those learnings when we walked away from it, without a doubt. Dang. Yeah. So what? I know we talked about a few projects that you're working on, but it's how. Aside from s some specific stuff, which you may or may not want to sh share, it's like. How are you looking at 2024 in terms of, okay, cool, like, I'm a part of the coffee industry, that's yeah. for sure. I've got this good feedback where, you know, I went across the world and people are resonating with the stuff I'm building. Like, you know, how does that affect you with going into the new year? Yeah, I think for me, um, I think it's, you know, mission accomplished. Um and I guess if I go if I go back to the the arc since 2016, it was like, hey, I'm a designer doing sneakers who's passionate about about coffee, and is there can I add value to this this industry? Um, going from that to to kind of being embraced by people like yourself and and, and others who were like, no, the the stuff you're doing has merit, and then sort of moving moving be beyond that into to creating products that that have global appeal however simple they are right like to me i look at some of the products we create and they're extremely simple um but they solve a universal problem which which has is really opened global doors for us and so so now that i've i've kind of proved that with a simple product um definitely want to contribute more to the industry definitely want to do um what I was saying, uh, like a bigger swing. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is I've been saying it for, for three years and it's now, now is the time, right? If not now, then when? Um, so 
a dumpster is going to show up at our house in about a week and I'm going to throw a bunch of products away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so because I, like I was saying to you before, I think, you know, you know, cre creativity is a curse in some, some cases, right? So if I look at the products I created, some of it was fulfilling consumer needs, but also some of it was a portfolio of ideas, right? Like it's difficult if you can make anything, yeah. right? Um, and so, so the ability to kind of edit and amplify is where we're at, right? This idea of like, yeah, we're solving a bunch of, of problems that are universal, but what is the bigger problem or what is the bigger opportunity? And it's, it's really simple. It's because we, we want to, we want to focus, right? It's a little bit of, of, um, not being everything to everybody. It's a little bit about what we were talking about earlier, right? If I I'd rather become known for a few things than known for many things. And so it allows, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have been accepted within the, the coffee community. And now I think it's like, okay, um, I owe it to, to the community and to ourselves to say, all right, what, what could we bring that's, that's bigger? What could we bring that's more meaningful, um, that maybe address problems, but also address some needs that people have? Um, yeah, I mean, it takes as much energy, effort, time, to create something that's simple as it does to create something complex, right? Right. And so our ability to to do less better is is kind of where we're at. Yeah. Right? That that seems to make a ton of sense because you're you know, when I first got introduced to you, right, there's that one part of where I got a lot of experience in manufacturing and a ton of connections. I can literally make anything. Like, right. Like whatever. Right. It can be anything. And right. when you, when you're new to the industry, you know you have a passion for something, but you're not as deeply connected as you are now in terms of like what what actual problems are we solving and and you know what are we going to leave alone, you know, yep. what are the interesting things we want to get into and one of the things that you were that I resonated with is like you didn't just want to be another widget manufacturer. Correct. Whereas right. like we're kind of been beaten over the head with this. We're like, here's a basically the same version of a thing that you already have 15 of them, whether right. it's like a some, you know, thoughtless scale or a thoughtless pitcher or a thoughtless, you know. Right. And you can tell the difference. Like, right. right? right. For people who are like, cool, I are indeed this thing. I'm really passionate about it versus I just went to China and said, give me whatever the hell because I could probably sell X amount of units. Exactly. And it's like just like those overdone collabs or – meaningless brand messages I, I think everyone's kind of getting tired of that shit yep and like from the jump you're just like i don't want to do that like i actually want to make people's workflow better i want to you know like the first conversations we had i remember i tell people this when i talk about you because yep. we were looking at the bar and you're kind of like what's really annoying about working on that bar like yep. what sucks about working on the bar and that was like the start of our conversation i'm like well this really sucks like yep. doing this really sucks that really sucks that and okay, cool. Like, can we solve some of these problems? Right. And that's a right. cool place to start with anything rather than like, what can I make for five cents that I can sell for five bucks? Exactly. Like whatever. So yeah, I'm stoked for you, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure I'm excited I'm sure to see you, what's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure you went through it too, right? I'm sure you went through sort of an edit to amplify, whether it was like menu items or, or certain amounts of beans that you offered like did you go through that process as well I where you sort of like went wide and had to get narrow or no i honestly think the biggest changes that we've had in terms of our company are on that employee communication and leadership end yep. like that's what we've had to edit and amplify the most and then the yep. the cafe stuff feels more natural in terms of I don't want to sell anyone's cafe short. Like that's not right. my intention. But when you're looking at a base level of what's going on, it's like, okay, if you've got a certain competency around creating the beverages yep. and you can create a certain vibe, which if we're going to strip everything away, cause it's, this isn't easy to do, but like right. create a place that feels clean, welcoming where people feel seen and like people love to engage with, which, you know, the comp, the compliments that we get on a daily basis aren't, I love your coffee. Right. It's first and foremost, I love going to your store. Your people are super friendly. It's amazing space. Exactly. And the coffee's good. Exactly. Like, yep. But if, and there's, 
we're not the only ones who can create a space like that. Right. So, and, and we love to do that and we've been doing it for a long time. So sure, the market changes, you're, you're tweaking things here and there, but nothing's a complete overhaul. The things that have been a complete overhaul is like, oh my God, we have a company. We yep. have eight people. We don't have any experience running a company. We don't have, the only experience we have in leadership is, you know, we've had some management positions. We've had small teams of people and jobs we've had before. And cool. Like now we're responsible for literally everything. Right. The people plus the process plus the stuff that nobody wants to do. Yep. Like, like in the early days, it's like anything that came through the door is ours to figure out, whether that's ordering green coffee, ordering paper goods, ordering all all the stuff. Right, right. So it's like, cool, taking that, making that work on a base level, and then that eight people turns into 16 people, turns into 35 people, turns yeah. into 40, turns into 70. And it's like, how do you navigate the relationships that come as a result of that? It's like... What is the relationship that I have with Michael Weiser? As right. like I work closely with him. Like what is the relationship that I have with Mark Gessler? And it's like figuring that out has been a lot of that like guess and check, you yeah. know. Um sometimes it requires a full overhaul, sometimes it requires fully tweaking it, but it's like those are the things that we we're passionate about, but we didn't really know how to do. Right. And we're learning that all the time. That makes sense. That makes sense. That yeah, I was. I'm thinking through the lens of product, and you're thinking through the lens of of the service you provide, which is obviously more pe- people centric. Yeah. So ev- the le- that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, everything's people centric, yeah. and the whole vibe trickles down because it's like yes. you know we were talking with Herman earlier. If Herman's not in the right state of mind or in the right zone, it's like if me and Jared don't have a good relationship with Herman, yes, and Herman yeah. hates his job because of that. Good luck having yeah. an awesome team. Yeah. Because they're picking up on his energy. He's not going to be leading in the best way that he can. And, like, he's got so many skills, but environment matters. So if, yeah. like, we're creating environments, environments are created around, you know, on this people level, they're created around relationships. And it's tricky. So what we've tried out is all the different things that we talk about on this podcast all the time, which is, right. like, cool. Um, how do I have a relationship that's both supporting and encouraging without giving so much free reign that this person just kind of does whatever they want because we're still operating within a vision and we are a real founder-driven company still. You know, like you're balancing those things all the time. It's like autonomy versus going in this direction. Um, You know, freedom to play versus I need you to do this. We we had this um, thing that we put in all the new job descriptions that we're just working on. Okay. We're basically just kind of being really open and honest with people because we've been through phases where we just let people run. And then we feel this tension of like, ah, this isn't really quite where it's at, but I don't know how to have that conversation Yep. Um, versus being overly micromanaging and telling people how to do everything. So it's like there's really two kinds of there's two kinds of asks that we're going to make from you. And you're going to need to be really comfortable with both of those. And one of them is going to be a very direct, it's a non-negotiable thing. Like we might walk into the cafe and say, that wall needs to be pink. Yep. Like we're painting that wall pink. It's not up for discussion. (laughs) Like this is just happening. And people are like, okay, cool. Like we'll go do it. Right. And another kind of ask in the cafe is like, hey, our average wait time is four minutes. We need to get it down to three. And- that's an ask where sure we're asking for a tangible thing but within that you get to be creative like i'm not telling you how to do that i want to know because you work in the cafe every day like what are some ways that you think we could get the wait times down and let's throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and let's figure that out and you get some room to like run creatively and you know that's that's an in-cafe example uh example that's more in my world is when I'm talking to wiser and it's like, Hey, we're making this passport. Like, here's what the passport is. Here's what the handbook is. And all I can tell you is we're doing it. That's for sure. That's non-negotiable. And I know what it is, but like the way it comes together, the way it looks and like how the design pro like, that's all you. 
Yep. Like, I cannot make the passport that he made, like, I can't make it that good. Right. <laughs> you right, know? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even knowing, even having the vision for it and knowing what I want it to be, I can't yeah. design it like that. And Correct. the same thing with the handbook. Like, only he can do that. So that's where, like, I think we're kind of getting to that good spot where we can make some of these direct asks and people still get to have their creative freedom if they're in the spots that make the most sense for them. Correct. And that's like what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, cool, getting like understanding what the company needs, understanding that job fit and like putting people where they can just rock, dude, and allowing them to forget about everything else. Yeah. No, that's that's perfect. Like that type of leadership style where you're so-called picking the destination and allowing them to get there based on their own experience creativity in in the processes will always exceed expectations like that's if you're hitting that space that's a great space to hit as a leadership team just knowing just knowing what i know from the past right it's uh as organizations grow the ability to to kind of allow room um room for people to be, have autonomy but and what what i've learned too is that that type of framework actually helps people as well, right? Because you're giving them you're giving them the feel of field of play, right? right? You're picking a destination, and then what you get get from that is you get more creativity from them um, versus providing them a blank sheet of paper. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And be, because once again, like we were talking about Oppresso, right? I start my day with constraints, right? I got to solve this problem. Right. And I become the most creative within those constraints. It would be the same with the example you get just gave. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I resonate with that so much. Well, yeah. the way I think about it is like sports or let's take right. basketball, for example, get get super specific. It's like yep. if I get a bunch of people together and say, hey, like play a game, whatever you want, right, figure right, it out. It's like, right. well, what are we doing? Like, I exactly. don't fucking understand. But if I say, OK. We're playing basketball, like right. right? And then there's all of a sudden you've got rules. It's like, here's our field of play here. Yep. Here's things you can and can't do. And those mirror the realities of a business to where it's not everything goes. It's not just like we're here doing whatever. It's like we're exactly. here to do a, a specific thing. But like within that, oh, my God, there's so much creativity. And having those boundaries helps you because you're not spiraling off into like the, exactly like exactly you're like exactly. not in the stratosphere of like doing something completely unproductive you're just like oh my gosh it's like the most creative things that i've made are like they all have constraints around them exactly. like it kind of forces the hands so. yeah oh without a doubt yeah without a doubt. and all That's... those things like you know we talk about them a lot but it's like you know we're working on them you right. know it's like i'm not the leader that i want to be right you know i'm working on that every day I'm, I'm trying to figure it out and just like i have a vision for the you know whether it's the products we're creating like the passport or the guest experience yep. or the employee experience it's like i have i'm working on that vision for myself it's like okay cool i don't want to be where i'm at in my capability two years from now it's like i need to i need to work on that too right and i i just want to throw that out there because you know we're passionate about all these things that we talk about on the podcast all the time, but it's like, I don't think my shit doesn't stink. It's like, right. I know I'm learning all the time. So. Yeah. And I think that self-awareness, like, I mean, we, I always say it and we talk about it that our presso is progress, not perfection. Right. I was joking earlier that a dumpster is going to show up and we're going to donate and toss, toss some stuff away to allow us to move forward. Right. It's not that what we did to this point was wrong. It's that you have to you have to make these evolutionary steps with that mindset of progress, not perfection. Right. Right. And I think, you know, looking back, you know, I'll, I'll say for, for myself, looking back, as long as I'm in a different place six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, then I'm good. Yeah. If I'm in the same place, then I'm bad, right? Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a bad way. So so I think it's you know, for me, it's it's that right. It's about fail fast, fail forward, progress, not perfection. Um, those things kind of get you through. And you know, you know, this owning your own business doesn't come without constraints, right? And so, so whether you work for somebody or you work for yourself, you still have to work within those boxes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's funny. My 
my dad builds cabinets and he's always had his yeah. own business and it's just super small. But when I was a kid, my impression of it is like, dude, you own your business. You do whatever you want. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, it's it's just the complete opposite exactly. in so many ways. It's pretty funny. But it, I mean, it's great. Like the mess is the only way through. You exactly. know what I mean? That's, exactly. that's, that's, how, that's how you get through it and that's how you grow. And I don't know, man. That's it. Dude, that's it's cool. always good to talk to you. Yeah, same here. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's great seeing you. And as always, appreciate everything. Here's Mr. Weiser. What's up, Mr. Weiser? We're good here, dude. We're good, dude. We're winding it's a it wrap. down. Do you want to push stop so we don't have to? Hey, everyone. That's the podcast for the week. Thanks so much for listening. If you heard something that inspired you, let us know or tell a friend. These are the types of connections that are the most important to us and that we seek to create every day. If there's something you heard and you want to know more about, send us an email to podcast at catandcloud.com or head to our website, catandcloud.com slash podcast and let us know. While you're on our site, check out everything we have to offer. Dive deep into one of our single origin coffees or pick up a little treat for yourself. We have something for everyone, so check it out. Also, find us in the usual places, YouTube, Instagram. We're always there sharing amazing things. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for being awesome. We'll be back next week.